This morning's sermon, loosen from bondage to the will. Loosen, loosen from bondage to the will. Uh, and during this morning's sermon, I went back and listened at the other four sermons that we have on sermon audio uh, about redemption of being redeemed or the redeemer. Because the focus this morning is on Galatia, I mean Isaiah the fifty-fourth chapter, the fifth through the eighth verse, and to get the right context of it, we read the whole chapter, and it's to a distressed church that he's giving hope, and that he speaks to. He says, "Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear." Break forth in the singing and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. Far more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Enlarge the place of thine tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thine cords and strengthen thy stakes, for thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left hand. And thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be thou confounded. For shalt, thou shalt not be put to shame. For thou shalt forget the shame of thine youth, and shalt not remember the reproach of thine widowhood anymore. The con- scripture context comes from this fifth verse. For thine maker is thine husband, the Lord of hosts is his name. And thine redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. For the Lord had called thee not as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit and a wife of youth, when thou was refused, saith the Lord. For a small moment have I forsaken, but with great mercies I will gather thee. Other context scripture out of this chapter is the 8th verse. It says, In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. For this is the as the waters of Noah unto me, for as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee, nor rebuke thee. For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be moved, removed. But my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord, that had mercy on thee. O thou afflicted, tossed with tempests, and not comforted. Behold, I will lay thine stones with fair colors and thine foundation with sapphires. I will make thine widows windows as agates and thy gates of carbuncles and all thine borders of pleasant stones. And thine children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of thine children. In righteousness shall thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression for thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thine sake. 
Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in fire, and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. I have created the water to destroy. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousnesses of me, saith the Lord. Sounds a good bit like there's a mission statement within that coming from Genesis and what he said at the beginning. He says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. It takes children of God, born of God, to understand the word of God and what he has in mind. But what we're looking at this morning is from the original plan, the Son was the, Jesus was the only begotten Son of God. Looking at the book of Isaiah, we see where the Son was given. The Son was given to the world for a purpose. And that purpose in the world was to save man, to make man in the image of God. But we see that that son had to be incarnated. That son came down in the personage of Jesus Christ. It was incarnated in the womb of Mary. And that we know that it was the Holy Spirit which conceived. When Joseph was thinking on privately on how to divorce or put Mary away, the Spirit says, think not to put away that which is in her is of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Ghost. So we see that it was this seed of the woman, but Joseph hadn't had relations with Mary. And we see that he was conceived in the womb. But back in Genesis, when it says the seed of the woman shall bruise thine head and you shall bruise he shall bruise your heel and he shall bruise thine head that's the promised seed so that seed has to have a legality in the earth and that's what we want to talk about today why did Jesus come as a man was it the manhood of Jesus Christ and the reading scripture was Galatians 5:13 for you my brethren were called to freedom only do not let your freedom become an opportunity to, for the sinful nature. We studied it this week that he laid aside his deity. He came for a purpose. That purpose, it goes back to when 40 or 50 years ago when I was, well, not that long, maybe 40 years, 45. I was about 14, I was about 15 years old, 14 or 15 years old, and was working building houses with my stepfather and he said uh, he used to work for a man named Jimmy Lewis. He was a seven day Adventist and he would talk to me about the Sabbath day and that God had first foresaw sin and he seen Jesus in earth and a lot of the religious things that he had told me I, I come to start seeing it now. That's one of the reasons I worship on the Sabbath day. But in that as him foreseeing sin before sin even came into the world as children of God we have to start thinking 
we have to allow that same mind that was in Jesus Christ to be in us. In other words, we have to get our minds off of this world as children of sons of God and continually question yourself, why am I here? What's my purpose in life? Why did God create me? Why did he redeem me? Why did he do what he did for me? You, you got to see yourself as being special. Also, you kind of see yourself as strange or peculiar, different from everybody else. You know, I was different from a lot of my other brothers and sisters. Jesus was different from his brothers and sisters. We are peculiar people. A hidden treasure here on earth. It's, it's like a, a, a marble, a piece of stone or granite that Leonardo da Vinci is looking at. And when he looks at that, he sees the David. He sees that, that what he's going to carve out of the stone and the rest of that is just cumbersome. The rest of what's up on us, what that what we were shaping in iniquity, we were formed in sin, that has to be carved away. That's not our essence. That's not who we are. God's put his spirit in us, a seal, or earnest of the inheritance. And he had set us here to serve him, to glorify him and for a purpose. Thus he gave us the Son. The Son came in to loose us from the bondage that we would incur being in the world because as I said he foresaw sin he foresaw sin and from the foundations of the world God had chosen a remnant God had chosen a few that he was going to give to that son and that son was going to be the author and the finisher of their faith he was going to be the one that give them that glow but they were going to work in unison. They was going to work as one. They was going to work as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But it was going to be inclusive of, of us also. Because if we in His image and His likeness, we must do what He did. It says in the Galatians, He says, he had set us free for freedom and we are to enjoy the liberty that is in Christ Jesus. But we have a work to do. There's a purpose why we hear. And that's why those that are born of God has a zeal. The Spirit gives them a zeal because slowfulness is not one of the characteristics of the sons of God. Slothfulness is a vice. When, when you see someone sitting down in Scripture talking about seated and everything, that's an inactive position. As is when he told him, say, sit thou at my right hand and I'll make thy enemies thine footstool. In other words, the one in authority was saying, you sit here and rest. Jesus was at rest in the Spirit doing the work. He sat down as high priest when his work was completed. It was finished. So what, what was accomplished, and that, that's what I'm looking at. Why did he come as a man? What's the significance of that? As the scripture says, what is man or who is a man? Why art thou mindful of him? So my first point here is loosed. Loosed. Because... 
we were born a certain way and created in God's image and in His likeness or whatever. But what happened, man failed. Man became marred. Man lost that virginity. Man became contaminated. His blood was no longer pure. That's why biologically Jesus is not related to us that way through the blood. To redeem man, you actually would have to have sinless blood. His blood was pure. It wasn't contaminated. So, placed in the womb, as it says, Job was a perfect and upright man and sinless or whatever. But the thing is, Job still was a sinner. Job couldn't redeem us because he had sin of his own. And that's where the Catholic Church messed up because Mary said she needed a Savior herself. Mary couldn't be as the Catholic Church worshipped Mary and go forth because she said she needed a Savior. She needed a Redeemer. So only a Redeemer has to be a kinsman. The Goel, he has to be a kinsman Redeemer. He has to be like the one he's redeeming. So he was born of a virgin. He was born and that's how we inherit the biological rights to the earth. That's how he inherited the biological rights to the earth that Joseph was his father, but Joseph was his adopted father because Jesus took on flesh and blood. He laid aside that deity, that only begotten Son of God. He didn't think it robbery to be created in the form. He laid that aside and became a man in human form. In other words, with all everything as a man, just like a man, that's why, see, he was our example. We have to believe just as Jesus believed. We have to have the faith as Jesus had. That's why a lot of preachers and teaching, when they said the God-man, I think we have to be in church a while and be spiritual and get understanding and wisdom from God to understand that Jesus didn't overcome as God now. He had laid aside his deity. He overcame as a man trusting and believing in God to do the work he accomplished. That's why we have to see that we have to be just like Jesus, just like the historical Jesus, that Jesus that got tired, that Jesus that had compassion, that Jesus that had feelings as a man. That's the only way he could become our high priest, to be touched with our infirmities. It's only a man that can understand another man, that can understand suffering, that can understand what's going here on the earth. The angels look into it, but they can't understand it because the angels are not like we are. They are spiritual beings. We're terrestrial beings. We're earthly beings. And that's why God says we must be born again. But we know flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The flesh is enmity against God. In other words, that which was created upon earth 
Satan became the father. We studied that. The father of all that don't have faith in Jesus Christ that are not born again. That's why I say you must be born again. That's, that's a requirement. That's something you can't do. You can't birth yourself. We're under the bondage of the will. I keep telling you, please read the book from Martin Luther, The Bondage of the Will. We don't have a choice. People say you have free will. No, you don't either. You don't have free will. Whoever told you that didn't know the Bible. You're under the bondage to the will, and that's how you're born. Man, born of a woman is but a few days. He's just as crooked no matter who he is. There's none good. No, not one. So what happens, Jesus came and he died to loose us. To be able to follow God, to be able to be enjoy the liberty and the freedom of us as the sons of God, but also, but through love, serve and seek the best for one another. Seek releasing others, just like Jesus came and he released us. We have to have that same love for one another. We have to see the bondage that creation is in, the bondage that man is in, the death and the suffering and the ravages of all that's going on here on earth. Jesus has come on a mission that was volunteered for. You, you, to be a redeemer, you have to be willing to redeem the lost possession. You have to have that desire. He was willing to redeem man. He was willing to lay down his life and redeem us from the shackles of bondage and buy us back, giving us eternal life. None of us have eternal life. Forget about when people talk about the immortal soul and the soul that's going to be in hell and all this burning hell. No, that would be eternal life. Now, the condition of that life would be miserable. It would be eternal torture in hell. So, I believe the Bible. I'm one that believes the Bible. The Bible tells me the soul that sin it shall die. Also from the Bible I see where God, when he created man and gave man, he breathed in man the breath of life, and man become a what? A living soul. So life is only inherent in God. It's inherent in Jesus Christ. And that's why he came. He came to buy back that, that which was lost and redeem us, buy us back. I used to, when coming up, I was in a lot of debt and everything. If you read that, this chapter, it will show that we were in an awful position coming up and we were shaped and formed. God had turned his back. God, did, We didn't know God or whatever. During that time, I would sometimes take some of my possessions to the pawn shop and get some money that I need to pay a bill or do something with. And they gave me a receipt, but then what I had to do was go work and make some money, pay the income or whatever, and then I would take that receipt. I would go to the pawn shop, and what would I do? I would buy back those possessions. They charged insurance. They charged a price for that. For the, It was usury, in other words. I had to redeem what was mine because I had lost it. I had given it up. Mankind was lost. Adam sold us 
into sin. He sold us into slavery. He sold us into bondage. He sold all of creation into bondage. We were lost in Adam. Jesus Christ came back. He had the purchase price. His purchase price was His blood. He laid down His life willingly. Nobody else could do it. He says, Father, I'm willing to die to go man's bond. Even though man's sinful, while we were yet sinners, He died for us. He said, I can do something with this. These are mine. All that the Father giveth me. So all that He died for, He's buying back. He's going to put back the way that virginity. Paul says, I want to present you as chaste virgins under Christ. How is He going to do that? Through the washing of the word. Through the preaching of the word. That we would be obedient because that's how we got out of that. Through disobedience. But if we were obedient to God. Obedient to his word. Paul said I'm trying to present you as chaste virgins. You can get your virginity back in Christ Jesus. There's not going to be a spot nor wrinkle. We will be able to be dressed in fine linen. You know, a lot of people say, well, no, she shouldn't be able to wear white because she's not pure. She's not a pure bride. You know, nowadays they just wearing anything in the weddings and different things. But to be a bride, you know, it's that white dress or whatever. And But we will be without a stain or blemish. We're not going to have any marks on us. We could stand there. That's why it says you should have no other God before me. You can't have any. Your body don't belong to you. That's a virgin body. He said, I'm going to present you as spiritual stones, lively stones. So, But that requirement is that he would be flush. And so he's going to marry us. See, that's why I said the devil is not legal in the earth. The only way he gets his legitimacy is through Adam, through Satan. That's why he's, he's carnal and what's dust will return to dust. You didn't hear of Satan's creation. So Satan's going to be as a vanity, it's a vexation, it's death, it's, it's, it's something that's going to be thrown in the lake of fire because you see death and hell itself he said you go burn in hell but didn't it says in the book of revelation that death and hell is going to be cast in the lake of fire fire symbolizes the judgment of god or eternal disappearance in other words it's good let me not go down that that get off on that tangent but he came and he was going to marry the church. In other words, we're going to, we're going to be alike. We're going to be one. We're going to be as him and the Father. We're going to have a union with him. We're going to be joint heirs with Jesus Christ. He's not going to be ashamed to call us brothers. Now, if you're not ashamed to call someone brother, that means that brother has to be just like you, someone you can own up to because... You know, if your brother is a convict, you might want to not take him everywhere you go and tell everybody else, my brother is a convict, or he's a murderer, or my brother is a thief, or my brother is this and that, that. So what Jesus Christ is going to do is clean up, clean us up. We're going to be just like him. In his image and likeness, this is the family. That's why I say the characteristics, you got a bad attitude of bitterness and resentfulness, envy and jealousy. That's, those are not characteristics. He's trying to loose us from that. Yeah. Don't you hate 
uh, reject all of that. As you become a Christian, you start praying against that. And when people do you things, that's why you pray for those that despitefully use you, the spitefully doing all this and talk to you in a kind of way. So the things you see in others, we pray that God would let what loose them. We pray for the best for them that they would change. We can see. We start seeing things from God's perspective. We want mankind, we want creation to be the way God shaped it and formed it. So as God loosens us as this man he died, that died for us, he has feelings that we want to get the world just like he wanted. We want to please him. You know, a good man, now, the world, we see good men in the world. We, we don't see all of their characteristics but God starts to show them to us as we get closer to Him. We get in a relationship with Him. And as friends, yes. as being God-like, He starts introducing us into the mysteries of God. The mysteries of godliness. We started to be, we start to be able to discern good and evil. We start to be able to see as God sees we start to be able to see as God sees. Now, Jesus Christ says, in the book of Hebrews, it comes down to where he says, therefore, when Christ enters into the world, he says, sacrifice and offering I have not, but sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but instead you have prepared a body for me to offer. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have taken no delight then I said, Behold, I come to do your will, O God, to fulfill what is written of me in the volume of the book. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. And so he does away with the first covenant, that old covenant, that shadow, that example, as where the animal sacrifice uh, and toning of, of those animals, what that actually meant. He came in the Spirit of God. To, to, to show us the spirit of the law, to show us how to do it, because for conscience, all of those sacrifices and what man was doing, that was an age of dispensation of conscience. He came to give us a clear conscience, a, a conscience that's void of all those things. That's the problem with man. He walks around with so much guilt. He's guilt-ridden. That's why there's depression, when we treat somebody wrong and we start apologizing and going back, we start to see what God's doing is softening that individual's consciousness. That's the spirit working. See, what happened with Pharaoh, he hardened his conscience and God began to turn him over to himself and he hardened his own conscience. That was what Pharaoh was. When we listen to God's word, it gives us a new heart. That's what's giving us a new heart to follow his commandments and judgments. But those of us that are of the devil, we reject the commandments of God. We reject the statements and the precepts of God. And instead of liberty, we become reprobate. We go in a different direction. That second point is liberty. He had came to set us free from the bondage of the will of man. 
Because you're not born by the will of man, but you're born by the will of God. Not by the will of the flesh or anything. So we no longer are sold out to sin. Christ had bought us to where we're set free to do the will of God. Because now we realize that since I'm engaged, I'm espoused to someone, my body doesn't belong to me anymore. I'm a bondage of Jesus Christ. I'm in bondage to God. So not my will. Is that what Christ says? Not my will, nevertheless, thy will be done. So just as he presented his body as a sacrifice, we have to be willing to lay down our lives and die for the world. In other words, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So we, so, we start to so love man that we even, he gives us that ability. That's what I say. It's all about the spirit. It's all about being born again. We're so changed that we begin to understand and we begin to love our enemy. That's why I say this has to come from a supernatural thing. This has to come from the spirit within causing us to be able to love our enemies. We can't do that. That you want to do, you don't do. What it is, you're dying to self. That part of you that carry grudges, that is unforgiving, that's unpliable. That part of you is dying. We must take up our cross. If we want to be his disciple, we have to take up our cross and deny ourselves. We have to die to self. That's just how I am. And just no, well, I'm a new creation now. I have to, my body is no longer my body. I can't put in my body what I want to put it in. I can't watch what I want to watch. I can't do anything because I belong to another. Amen. A woman, she that that's what she does when she's belong to her husband. I can't live or dress or whatever. I can't do the way I, because I'm espoused to another. So as men, we have to learn that, that that's why he chose as a man to do this. We have to do this as men. We have to be subject to Jesus Christ as our head. That's why men that can't follow Christ or not following Christ make awful husbands because they want the wife to submit to them in every area and be what they want them to be, but they are not submitted to God. That's where the friction comes in in the marriage because if he had chosen the wife, well, then that husband may have, you may have domestic abuse. You could have arguing and stuff in the house. You could have a division in the house. And Jesus Christ told us this. As a man, he told us our enemies will be those of our own house. You can tell when your wife or your husband or your children when that bad spirit is in them because now, now, now that we're children of God, we start to see these spirits and we really see now why the spirit says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Sometimes do it seem like your spouse is better than at other times? Sometimes your children are better than at other times because what happens, they are being used by spirits. A spirit of grouchiness, 
contrariness, hatefulness, vindictive. They suffer from the works of the flesh. All of these things, you have to be able to know these things because what happened as children of God, he had given you dominion over these things. He had loosed you from them. And if, if you can't see these things, uh, these things are pulling you along, you hadn't been loose. But that's why he died, because he wanted to see men operate the way God designed them to operate from the beginning. That's why you always say what happens in the beginning. We're looking for a perfect mankind, a perfect race of mankind. That's those that's been infiltrated, that God is changing, and this is becoming the kingdom of God. We're praying hard that that comes about. Galatians 5 and 13 says, For you, my brothers, were called to freedom. Only do not let your freedom become an opportunity for the sinful nature. We see those in the church that hadn't changed. There are some people in the church that have sheep's clothing on. But actually, there's no repentance. There's no conversion. They just as hateful at times, and you can see them hateful, grouchy, bitter. Now, let me tell you this, though. Now, sometime we can cast that out, or we learn to live with that because we don't know what God's doing, uh, who's saved and who's not saved. That's why it says during the time of God's coming when he come back, one could be taken and one could be lost. Yes. You see, Joseph's brothers may not have been taken. They have, may have been lost because he says he's not going to take the whole family because we're looking at a spiritual family. You remember, Abraham had other children. You remember, Israel, Ishmael was Abraham's other son, but he was in bondage. He was a symbol of Hagar. Who just, that mountain is the law. So we see those that are under the law, those that are in bondage, and sometimes people try to bring you under the law. They try to bring you in bondage through the Bible, yes. through the preaching and teaching of the Bible. That's what's happening with the Christianity that's emerging in, in the United States. It's a national Christianity that's a very hateful Christianity. It's another Jesus. See, because we have to, what, what what was one of their requirements? We have to willingly serve God. We have to willingly want to redeem God, God's people. We want, we will, willingly and at liberty. Because you remember Boaz told Naomi, uh, told Ruth, that there was a nearer kinsman than him. There are others of our brothers and sisters of other people in the world that are in the church that are your kin and everything, but they have ulterior motives. They don't look for your well-being. That other kinsman, he did. He wanted the inheritance, but he didn't want Ruth. Boaz saved that portion for the last because he says, well, Elimelech has a property and you, uh, you can inherit it and he was willing to do that. He said, but now when you inherit at property, you would need to inherit Ruth also and raise up seed to your brother. Yes. Yes. You see, we have to know all the aspects of the law. First Peter, second chapter, 
and 16 verse says, Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover or pretext for evil. <clears throat> a lot of people use Christianity or they place in church to get material things. They hadn't lost that covetousness, wanting things. They're material. In other words, their minds are always on merchandise and the things of the world. They hadn't learned contentment. Their mind is not on the things of God. God had redeemed the people that their mind would be stayed up on Him and that as He added unto them, those they have those possessions and the possessions don't have them. Uh, an example of that is Job. Job had lost everything, even his health, and his wife said, curse God and die. Yes. Why? Because she was worldly. She was like Lot's wife. She was worldly. She, she figured without his health, without his wealth and children, he just wants to be dead. Instead of, as Ahab says, Ahab said, if I could be just a doorkeeper, a gatekeeper in the house of God. See, some people are just content with life. That's where the prodigal son learned that if he could just come back to the father as a hired hand, as a servant. Yes. You see. And so some people won't serve God without all the trappings that come along with being a servant of God. So you're in it for what you can get. God is a rewarder, and that's why they come to God, because He's a rewarder. But they don't actually love God with all of their heart, with all of their soul. They love stuff. That's why they're serving God, is because of stuff. But Jesus, seeing by Him being a son, by Him being a man, as David was, what was a symbol of David? David was a lover of of good men. He sat surrounding himself with 30 good men. Are you looking for some men? That's what I look for in church and what I pray for in church, that God would send us men that are lovers of God. That is, that men that are lovers of other men are not jealous or envious of other men. Some of the worst strivings you have with your brothers and sisters or other people is they always trying to up you one or be better than you. I can't listen at you. Yes. You see, we have to have that ability to listen at one another and not want to be above someone else. We have to be content with the place God give us. And that means that we have to be able to exhort one another. Yes. Give somebody else some congratulations. Be glad somebody else have something. And that is genuinely glad or happy or content. That's your joy. That's your strength. It's the inner man. That's why God changes the inner man. That's why I say you can be a wolf in sheep clothing because it's like Simon. That's your nature. The only reason you're in the church is because you're afraid to die. You didn't got old and you want all these other things. But you know, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You like Satan. You know what the promise is saying, but you're not willing to pay the cost. And that's why I say you have to be willing to pay the price. You have to be able to present your body as a living sacrifice. You don't know what the cost is. It might cost you your life. You have to be willing to put your life on the line for others. 
we have to die for each other. We have to stand. We have to make sacrifice. A lot of people are not going to make that sacrifice. They're not like the widow. The other men was giving out of their abundance. They were putting great deals into the church, into the coffers of the church. But when the widow thrown in the two mites, statistically, she didn't throw in anything in comparison as to what they were giving. But by the precept, the precept involved, Jesus says, she put in more than they all because she got, gave all she had. She gave unto God not according to her wealth. She gave unto God according to her love of God. God loves a cheerful giver. Don't pay tithes and say, man, I wish I didn't have to pay tithes. I wish I didn't have to do this. You just wasn't not doing it. If it's by constraint. Notice that Boaz didn't ask Ruth to marry him. Notice that Ruth asked Boaz to throw your covering over me. Notice that she had a mentor in her life, an instructor, whom was Naomi, who told her what Jewish law, the way to do things according to the word of God. See, we have to do this according to the word of God. That's why the rebels, those outside of the church, are not a part of the church because they're trying to get to heaven their way. Jesus says, I am the door. I am the way. Unless they come by me, they're thieves and robbers. They, They can't get in. That's why some get into the church. But the analogy is Abraham and Isaac said, now, but some shall be cast out of the church. You can't fool God. You're in the church, but you had, nothing about you hadn't changed. you just as deadly and mean as a rattlesnake. We don't hear repentance and, and all this preached in the church. Freedom is presented as a signal of blessing of the economy of God's grace in which the contrast in the Old Testament is clearly partaken of. It's represented as independence from religious regulations and legal restrictions. And First uh, Corinthians ten twenty nine, Second Corinthians three seventeen, Galatians two four, Second Peter two nineteen. That's for those listening and can't see the notes as y'all can. That they are legalists, and that's what followed Paul around the legalists, the Judaizers, someone that's trying to bring you into the bondage of the law. We're not saved by the law. That's why Jesus Christ came and rescued us from the law. But if we're following Jesus Christ, by faith we help establish the law. Because what that does, it brings us to the law. It's a, the law was a schoolmaster. And so those that's outside the church that don't go to the church, you're violating God's word because he says, forsake not to assembling together. Now you may be good people, you may do good things or whatever, but you're not saved. You don't have salvation. You don't have a saving grace. So there are certain point three 
landmarks the children of God. And as I gave you the stir earlier about the redemption that was in the Sabbath, it has a redeeming effect. The Sabbath has a redeeming effect. Genesis 2 and 3. It says that God blessed the Sabbath day, something he did to no other day. This blessing falls on the heels of the obviously physical blessing God pronounced on animals and Genesis 1 and 22 where he created animals and blessed them and he blessed everything in creation and he blessed man. He says be fruitful and multiply. Well all of these things that were under the blessings, notice that they were under that same reversal of curse. He says by the sweat of thy brow that shall eat from the earth and that the whole creation was to bring forth thorns and thistles. So the blessing is something that gives us a fuller and a more protective and abundant life and that's what he's trying to remove. He's trying to remove the toil out of our life. He gives us eternal life. So he not just only died to give us eternal life but he died to give us an abundant life. Away with all of those people that think that you could just sit out around heaven thumbing harps all day and do nothing but walk around. Sounds like a boring life to me. Because I love working. I love doing what I'm doing. And it, if he made us a royal priesthood of keeping a priest, you know I can teach God's word and try to preach God's word for eternity. That's what I would love to do talking to someone that was a mechanic or someone that's a carpenter whatever God had chosen you to do that's why he says make sure of your calling and of your vocation what is it that God had called you to do where is your place in the body of Christ find that and do it and you'll never work in a day in your life because that's what you were created for to do Six days shall thou labor. So that redemptive, that storative part was the seventh day. The Sabbath day. That day we would rest in God and think of his creation and of the creator. He says, I'm your maker. He's the Lord of the whole earth. It's going to be as the days of Noah when he was talking about destruction. What he wouldn't ever do again. But he says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. So he's going to take the vitriol out of creation. The lion's going to be able to lay down with the lamb. Forget about all those meat-eating people or whatever because it won't be meat-eating. You won't kill in the kingdom of God. You remember, it was only after the flood that he introduced meat-eating meat. In the beginning, he says... I give you every herb bearing seed. And in the book of Revelation, he tells us about the trees that we eat from the tree of life. That's why he says, every tree that's in the garden you may eat from. But he didn't say every, you could catch every cow and kill him and make a steak. or You could get the shrimp and all of the fish in the oceans. That's, that's not how he designed man. Your teeth will last a little bit long because he didn't make you a meteor. That's what rots your teeth and gives you high blood pressure and diabetes and all of these other things. 
That's what gives you arthritis, all these things in your blood system. That's why Jesus was in really great health as a man. That, that's how He created man. That's why He said He made man in His image and His likeness. And that's what He's trying to do, restore man. And if we could get back to that image, that form, the Sabbath is that landmark that I made the Sabbath for man and not man for the Sabbath, and that's a day of rest. And he's, he's symbolic of our rest. When we enter into him, we enter into his rest. So now he's working. We're not working. The spirit in us do it yet work. So, the rendering of God's commandment, that Sabbath day, we remember that he rescued us from bondage. That we were in bondage. But all of the, 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 the carnal people, what did they remember in Egypt? Of the leeks and the cucumbers and the garlics and the things that they ate. Is some people, their God is their belly. Right now we have one of the most covetous things. It's money. That's what their God is. When that lottery starts to get up, People are always playing the lottery, but notice when it gets toward the billion-dollar mark and the, that more people go out because what they think in their mind, if I had all of that money, how much, what I would do with the money? God says you can't serve mama and God. God didn't create money, you know. It was a barter system. Later on, money came in and was devised. That system didn't come through God. That was one of the things of the world that God's going to loose us from. He's going to loose us from the bondage of the things of this world and the corruption of this world. That's why government is corrupt because of bribery and that money does not. People will kill you for a price. Women are sell, or men would sell their body for a price. Everything is done for a price. So man... God made him a little bit lower than the angels, but he made him with a purpose. And, we, and when we as men go forth and do what Jesus Christ created us for do, he says, greater works shall you do. Some of those greater works is a restoration of the earth to its original state, that his will is being done. That's why we pray. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. That makes us, I told you, the goel. Yes. The goel is also a avenger of blood. The goel avenges the murder of Adam and Eve. Satan murdered Adam and Eve in the garden in the beginning because he persuaded them to eat of the tree that God had lied to them. And when they ate of the tree, it says, you of your father the devil. He was a liar and a murderer in the beginning. He murdered Adam and Eve. Just like a lot of the blind are being led by the blind now. Poison is under their tongue. Because the false prophet and the false teacher, that's why I said, it's worse than anything else to be a false teacher, preacher, because you lead others to their death. You lead others into destruction. So the Goel's other job is, is the bruiser of Satan's head. The bruiser, we have to deliver that death blow. That's why he says, greater work shall you do than I did because 
He left Satan here for us to deal with, for us to overcome. Now we have to overcome sin in the flesh and condemn sin in the flesh. We have to bring an end to the false prophets. We have to bring an end to the false teachers. We have to destroy this thing. We are the goel. The goel is the avenger of blood. You kill my parents, you kill my father's works, and now we have to put the death nail to you. There's a time that you come in and we crush all these. All of creation is waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. So as we get this success, as we get this abundant life, as God give us more light, we're to shine darkness into the light. How does that happen? So if we don't entangle in the world, we see a lot of the church in the world fighting each other. You notice people are leaving Christianity and leaving all these things? Why not let them kill one another? While we sit back and watch the carnage. There's a lot of people doing a lot of good works for the church. Those are the ones that he says, didn't I do this in your name? Didn't I heal the sick in your name? Didn't I feed the needy in your name? Let them do all of those works and then let Babylon kill or destroy them and we'll sit back and inherit the earth. Let the blind and the blind fight one another. Let the dead bury the dead. We've come to do the work of our Father. All of creation is waiting for us. The results of Christ's radical redemption liberate sinful men from each of the harsh taskmasters. We'll no longer labor the way we used to labor. We'll no longer be in bondage to the establishment of this world system because he calls us out of this world. So we're no longer entangled in this world. We're no longer the temptress. We don't tempt people to sin. We don't tempt people in all of these areas. What we bring about is a new heaven and a new earth. Why? Through faith, the establishment of God's laws. Because a man wants to see his children's children's children. A man wants to see the earth being fruitful and serving God. You want to go out in communities and see people able to go out at nighttime. You want to see be able to see people take vacations and enjoy, enjoying life till it's fullest. God says be fruitful and multiply. You want to see Brothers and sisters living together in love. You want this love to be shut up. And how did he do it? Through a man. That's why he chose a man that we would go forth and through his word preach and declare that word. What that word does, it has the power of life and death. You, you, you know what preaching the word does? The preaching the word do is cause your enemies to rise up against you because that hatred, that envy, that jealousy that's in them towards you, it destroys them. You can't live with hatred and envy and all of these things. You'll develop a cancer. You'll go around and kill somebody. You'll go around and do something you shouldn't do. With temptation, that's why people rise up and rape people. Why? Because you was overcome by the lust of the flesh. Jesus said, if you lusted in your heart, 
You didn't commit sin already. You didn't commit adultery already. You looking and lusting after the things in the world. Maybe it would be better, God says, to pluck your eyes out. It'd be better to be blind than to walk around full of lust. It would be better to be in poverty than to inherit all this wealth and you'd be virtually the wickedest and most evil person in the world. He says, turn them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. We want to destroy all of that that's carnal. As we wait upon God, his spirit is working in us. That's why he came in a body so we can see how much that sin can ravage our thoughts, our well-being. Can't you look back at what you once was? I look back at myself years ago and I hate that guy. I hate that old Emerson. I hate what he was and what he stood for. But you know, I, God saw me for what I could be. He saw me in Christ. And I'm forever grateful for that. But see, the ones that are unthankful and ungrateful, whatever you do for them, they're always trying to catch that choke chain to be able to put you down, to put you in your place. That's that competitiveness. That's that carnal part in you that I'm going to show him. He wants everybody to see him overcome his brother. He wants everybody to see him be number one, to be victor. That's Satan. That's pride. God has to destroy that pride in man. That's what Satan, the father of pride. And that's where all sin comes from, that pride that's in you. So what is this fire burning? The similar fire burning is that destruction as it was with Sodom and Gomorrah. That's why it was an ultimate, complete burning. It was a destruction. But if we go through the fire, God's going to go through the fire with us, and he's going to loose us, and we're going to come out on the other side as sons and gods. That's how Job said, I know my Redeemer liveth, and though he slay me, yet will I serve him. So no matter what God's tossing at you, he's going to give you those days when you're on the peaks, but we know sometimes we have to be in the valley. But though that I walk through the valley of evil, the shadow of death, I shall feel no evil. Because he says, though he slay me, yet in my body will I see God. Yes. I know my Redeemer liveth. So, see, that's the eyes of faith. He, he has given us the object of our faith, and it was Jesus. Now we can see Jesus. See, if God would have stayed invisible, it was a thought, but he had given us hope in a man. That man, Christ Jesus, and we worship no other man. Not Muhammad, not, not Buddha, not anybody, not even your brothers and sisters and your wife. We don't put nothing before this God. We want to see Jesus. He says, blessed to those who hadn't seen him. Heavenly Father, I'm glad you sent the man Jesus. I'm glad he came as a man to buy me back, to put me in right standing with you, Lord God. He reconciled me unto you, Lord God. He freed me from the chains and the ravages of death. He's freed me from the bondage of the things of this world that I may escape, that I may serve you and love you, that I may be able to love others and be in the family of God. Lord God, 